night. We're going to take a trip. We're going to an art gallery. And if you've ever been to an art gallery, there's all kind of pictures. We wander from room to room, and we discover a beautiful painting hanging on the walls. Now this picture is really beautiful because in the distance it's so peaceful. It's a mountain scene. It's filled with tranquility. But the stillness of nature is abruptly contrasted to a terrible tragedy. For in the foreground right there in the front of the clearing is a former log cabin. Only now all that remains is a broken chimney and blackened ruins that are smothering from a fire that had occurred earlier. We look closer at the picture and we see two figures looking at the scene. We see an older man, he looks like a grandfather, standing there in his night clothes. And he has his tender arm rest on the shoulders of a young boy. The boy is standing there clutching a pair of burned cover, cover overalls. Obviously, it's the only thing that was left that was spared from the fire. We look closer and see two big tears rolling down the cheeks of the boy. Devastation is written over his face. Beneath the picture, there's a plaque. The author felt that this old man was saying this to the young boy. They're simple words, but profound in theology and philosophy. The words are, hush child, God ain't dead. This image of the old man and the despondent young boy has stayed with me as I prepared this message. I am reminded that at times life does feel hopeless. But my friends, there's hope. All is not lost because my God, your God, is alive and in control of the world. Our church has been invited to join the Church of the Nazarene, the entire body of the Nazarene Church, in praying for America, this world, and our own congregation. Nazarene churches all over America and Canada are preaching on this very subject today. We are living in unprecedented times in the life of the church and for our denomination. All Nazarene churches are asked to pray for God's protection, direction, revelation for ourselves, our families, our pastors, regional and educational leaders, our missionaries, and for every person that would call themselves a Nazarene. The last few years, our nation has gone from one critical situation to another. It seems that each event is worse than the last. 
We all remember, sadly, the COVID crisis and how it shut this church down like many churches down just a few years ago. We've seen extreme violence and hate destroying many of our large cities. Our children's education is trying to be redefined. Inflation is an all-time high, and we feel it at the gas pump and at Walmart. Frankly, I believe America's under spiritual attack. I think it's time for the Christian church, all churches, to come into the battle mode. In Ephesians 6.12, we're told that Paul reminds us that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our fight is not on the earthly plane where political, social, and economic problems exist. It is not merely what we are watching on TV or reading on social media. Rather, it's in the heavenly realm where spiritual principalities and powers are seeking to distract, disarm, and divide us as a nation and as a church. We are trying to be told by the world that Satan is winning this battle. But our confidence is not in circumstances, but in God. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our Heavenly Father has given us a secret weapon to defeat the devil and his followers. Prayer is God's weapon of mass destruction against Satan. And he will destroy Satan's terror. It will empower each of us to display the fullness of Christ's glory in a world that is so desperate to see it. Our churches, including our own, must become intentional in making prayer a daily priority. But this will not happen by accident. It will take a focused, persistent, and deliberate action to encourage all of our members to adopt a lifestyle of prayer. Prayer cannot just be another emphasis in the church. As a former United Methodist pastor, I recall over 30 years where we were encouraged to go to trainings, required to go to trainings led by our bishops and clergy leaders. We were told that a certain topic, if we followed it to the T, our church would change. It was convinced that we would become a mega church. Unfortunately, I never saw any lasting results. But what I have come to realize after all these years of ministry, it is only active prayer incorporated into daily discipline, not just of the pastor, but every one of you, that we can see our lives and communities transformed. Then this church, our churches, will grow spiritually and numerically. I invite you to join me in this call to prayer, to pray for the Nazarene Church and for all churches, and for revival for America. 
Our nation has become divided. We have become fearful and anxious. It is only the supernatural power of God that can turn us away from our fears. And I pray that my message this morning will speak to each of you as God spoke to me and to pray and to seek God in his will. Mike read our text this morning. It's taken from 2 Chronicles 7.14. Here again these powerful words. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. God will indeed hear our prayers, forgive our sins, and heal our land. But we have four conditions that we must follow. The first is that if you are God's people, if you're calling on God's name, then we must first humble ourselves. He's talking to me and he's talking to each of you. You know, the world doesn't have a clue as how to seek God. Nor do they really understand how to turn to God for help. Frankly, they have hard hearts. Do you agree, Merritt? The Lord is not saying that the society around us will humble themselves. That then they're going to write some godly laws. And they're going to throw our enemies in jail. And then everything will be just fine. No, it's a lot easier to judge those other people. You know, those people who are different than us, who voted for the other party. The us Christians want to be wholesome and God-fearing. We like the us versus them mentality because then we're always in the winner circle. Instead, I believe the Lord is waiting for the church to rise up to be a light in the darkness and to serve what God has called us to be. When God calls us to humble ourselves, that means we've got to be honest with ourselves and with God and be willing to confess that we've allowed busyness to take over and that we've allowed our sins to become our first choice taking away our time and commitment to the Lord. Therefore, I encourage you to pray for humility and brokenness. For it is when we're humbly dependent on God and that we acknowledge our own desperate need for him that he will hear our prayers. Because when we pray out of arrogance, out of self-righteousness and self-sufficiency, That's only going to hinder our relationship with the Lord. How sad, but often we fail to pray. We put pride in control of our hearts and behavior. We justify our actions. We make excuses. We We let the idea of confessing our weaknesses before God But we must look to God for power and strength to overcome these mistakes. Again, the key is humility. 
It is essential in our personal prayer time. We don't tell what God should do. Rather, we humbly ask God what does he want us to do in his will. The second condition that is found in Chronicles is to pray. This means not just attending a prayer meeting, but to pray every day, not just on Sunday morning. Unfortunately, prayer is not always a priority in our home. Weekly worship, we shouldn't just squeeze in a prayer and say, well, that's it for the week until I come back next week. Rather, we should incorporate prayer daily in our lives if we want to truly see healings and transformation in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. Unfortunately, many of us become self-centered. Our prayers sound like this. Oh God, bless me and my spouse. Bless my children and grandchildren. Amen. Prayer must be evident, not just for our pastors, not just in a member's home, not in the board meeting, and also in corporate worship in all of these places. Because in Isaiah 56, we're told that God's house should be called a house of prayer. That's in all that we do in this church. Prayer should be the responsibility and the expectation for every one of us. Amen? Third exhortation. We are to seek God's face. What does that mean? Seek his face. It goes beyond just asking God to meet our needs. Rather, it's the desire to have a personal daily relationship with God. And something happens when we seek his face. The hand of God will actually come upon us. And he'll give us power by the Holy Spirit to serve him. God has a plan and purpose for every one of you. Jeremiah 29, 11, 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plan to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call on me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. The only way we can know God's plan is to seek his perfect will for each of our lives. Only then can we attain God's direction for, and wisdom as we put God first in our lives, our families, our work. He will give us discernment and guidance as we ask for his vision and plan for our church, our country, and ourselves. Let us pray and join the Nazarene Church in aligning our values, our vision, and plans and resources under God's will. God wants to make us more disciplined, more faithful, more determined to spend time with him in prayer. 
I encourage you today to evaluate how much time are you talking to God every day. I truly believe the willingness of our church members to seek and obey God, God will direct our steps here in this church, in our ministry here in Casper, and in our world. Our prayer will require radical obedience. Consider some godly men who put God first. E.M. Bounds was an author. He was born in 1835. He wrote 11 books on prayer. Perhaps how he got his inspiration to pray, he got up every morning. Jeanette, 4 o'clock in the morning. 4 o'clock in the morning and prayed for three hours every day. Prayer was not a prelude, but it was a priority in his daily life. Hudson Taylor was a missionary that was very successful in missions, and he founded the China Inland Mission. He, too, credited prayer for his success. Men and women who do the most for God are not necessarily pastors, but people who pray. The fourth step in 2 Chronicles is, is told that we should turn from our wicked ways. Some of, us, some of us are thinking, what wicked ways? I go to church. I say my prayers. I read my Bible. I tithe. I even pay my taxes. But wait a minute. Who was God talking to? Are we arguing with God Almighty himself? Are we having the, the gall to stand before God and say, God, I don't ever sin. I don't know about you, but I don't think so. God hates all sin. Our God is holy, and we must continue to seek and search our hearts and ask God to reveal our own wickedness. We've got to stop making excuses. We have got to become stronger in our faith if we're going to deal with sin and rebellion. We've got to turn from the world and the world's actions and desires. You know, there's a lot that glitters in this world, but they can also grieve God's heart. Ask God to soften a hard heart. I encourage you, and I try to do this regularly on the messenger that we have on our phones, to pray for Mike and Jay and Derek. They work very hard. Pray for them daily. Pray for each other. Pray for the Nazarene church. Ask God to protect us from all evil, that he would give us wisdom and direction that we would do his will and that God would give us eyes to see the needs around us. God will listen if we choose to repent. He will grant us forgiveness for what Jesus did for us on the cross, not based on promises, 
not based on works, but based on the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We must pray that the world will not distract us and that we will keep our eyes on God. Devastation and hopelessness is around us. All we have to do is pick up the paper and read the headlines. But it is a lie from Satan to believe it's all hopeless. We must remember that we serve a living God. God was told in that video, in that picture that I described, I'm not dead. I know I have plans for you. I am in control and my power will be upon you to guide you and direct you. My plans are inspired by my goodness and grace. My friends, put away your tears. I will be with you always. I invite you now to come to the altar or pray in the pews. We're going to talk to God. Please come forward.